Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trial by Podcast. I'm Andrew Gavale, a law graduate at McCabe Code, and today's podcast will be on force majeure clauses in light of the coronavirus outbreak. Coronavirus has resulted in unprecedented pressures being placed on businesses to continue to perform their contractual obligations despite facing a stark drop in demand. This comes as tougher restrictions are being placed on the movement of people to flatten the infamous curb. These conditions have led to many businesses looking for a way to suspend their contractual obligations at least until the coronavirus runs its course. One way of achieving this is by claiming that the coronavirus is a force majeure event under the force majeure clause of the contract. So today I'll be covering whether the coronavirus could be considered a force majeure event and the implications stemming from that, particularly when it comes to being able to suspend performance under the contract if a party's performance has been affected by the coronavirus. Then I will leave you with some practical tips for drafting force majeure clauses amidst the coronavirus pandemic and how you can ensure you're protected moving forward. So first things first, what is a force majeure clause? Well, a force majeure clause is a clause often found in commercial contracts that can be invoked to excuse parties from liability if an unforeseen event intervenes or delays the performance of the party's obligations under the contract. The event in question must make it impossible to perform their obligations under the contract, not merely more onerous or impractical. So the best way to understand a force majeure clause is to picture it as a contractual version of the break in case of emergency box. You know they are there, you need to have them around, but no one really takes note of them until something is going drastically wrong. But when things do go wrong, you desperately hope that whatever is inside works. In a similar way, if an event like the coronavirus significantly affects your ability to perform your obligations to the point of impossibility, you would hope that your force majeure clause is drafted well enough to provide you with relief when an emergency hits. With that settled, let's now consider what a force majeure event may be and whether this could extend to the coronavirus. So the first step in determining if the coronavirus is a force majeure event is to establish a connection between the outbreak of the coronavirus and your inability to perform your obligations under the contract. There must be a sufficient connection not just something incidental. So if there is a sufficient connection, the next step would be to consider whether the coronavirus is a force majeure event under the terms of the contract. Generally, the contract should define what a force majeure event is. It may define it using a list of events, followed by a statement along the lines of and any event beyond the reasonable control of the parties. Or it may not have a list at all, and instead will just state that it will be any event beyond the reasonable control of the parties. In the event your clause does not list anything similar to the coronavirus, for example, a pandemic or act of God, but it does include the phrase, any event beyond the reasonable control of the parties, the court has in the past provided consideration on what this means and how it would apply. In Hyundai Merchant Marina Co. 2006, Justice Kiefel, as her honour then was, stated that a force majeure event in the context of the phrase beyond the reasonable control of the parties had the following elements. It has to be A, irresistible, B, unforeseeable, C, external to the person claiming discharge, and D, 
has made performance impossible and not merely more onerous or difficult. So if the COVID-19 satisfies these elements in your circumstances, it is likely that the event will be considered a force majeure event under the contract. So assuming you can safely now rely on the coronavirus as a force majeure event, what then is the impact on the contract? Well, ultimately, it depends on the contract itself. Some contracts may provide that if there is a force majeure event, the parties can choose to delay or terminate the contract without facing liability. Or in other cases, the party will be required to first provide notice to the other party, estimating the anticipated delay, and the parties then are entitled to decide whether the delay is either too long, and if so, whether or not termination is appropriate in the circumstances. But ultimately, it will be a matter of interpreting the clause of your contract to determine the actual consequences of claiming that a force majeure event has taken place. So let's now look forward and let's consider some practical tips for drafting force majeure clauses. Perhaps it is too late for you to include viral outbreaks as a force majeure event under your force majeure clause. But even if you are entering into new contracts, you can include the event in the force majeure clause because the clauses are a matter for the parties to agree upon. And if agreed upon, the clause will be enforceable. So what other key elements you should look to include moving forward? Generally speaking, as a broad overview, a force majeure clause may have these key elements. Firstly, a clear definition of what a force majeure event is under the contract. It is often recommended to include a definition because if not, the courts will be called upon to interpret the definition, which may leave it without sufficient clarity. Secondly, it should confirm that a party affected by a force majeure event will avoid liability under the contract to the extent they are unable to perform their contractual obligations. Thirdly, it should include a statement that a party relying on the force majeure clause will need to undertake reasonable endeavours to overcome the effects of that event. Fourthly, a mechanism describing how a party affected by a force majeure event can provide notice to the other party and what must be included in a notice to satisfy the other party. A typical notice will require the party to state the nature and cause of the force majeure event, the estimated duration and any steps they've taken to minimise the disruption caused by the event. Finally, a statement of what will happen if a force majeure event is claimed, i.e., Will the contract be terminated or delayed? In practice, it may not be in the best interest of the parties to allow for an automatic termination on force majeure events. Instead, it may be more commercially realistic if the parties were given the opportunity to delay performance. Another option is to include termination if the delay is likely to extend over a period of time which would be considered unreasonable for the parties to deal with the delay. So, in drafting force majeure clauses, it's important to consider these key elements. However, the degree to which they are included can vary based on the subject matter of the contract and the conditions the parties operate in. It's always best to avoid the cookie-cutter approach and draft the clause in a way that takes into account the objectives and the intentions of the parties. So that brings us to the end of another Trial by Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and taken something of value from it. If the coronavirus is affecting your business in any way, 
please feel free to contact us at McCabe Code Lawyers. All the best and stay safe out there.